And uh, you all know that's a very difficult and time-consuming thing, ordering the food, keeping the inventory up, keeping track of the employees and the schedules, and she keeps very busy. <clears throat> but it's a very, very blessed ministry. And uh, now you can see the building. Uh, this is just um, a new facade that we put on. I think we had it on when we were here last year, but it was really an ugly old 85-year-old building when we bought it, just falling apart. And so we put a, a whole new facade. We put um, like three-inch polystyrene sheet around the whole building and then put the netting and then uh, overlaid that with this uh, stucco and then put the final coat of acrylic in it. it. See, you can tell Tommy's from New Mexico. <laughs> Those are New Mexico colors, but it draws people in. Next. <clears throat> uh, and it, go ahead, Shannon. This one is uh, in February, just two months ago. And you can see we got three feet of snow in February, and that's really a challenge because we do not have snow blowers. <laughs> we have to clear all the parking lot out by hand, but that helps me keep in shape, I hope. <laughs> and the building is heated only with wood or coal. And so we went through this winter. We had the coldest February in 80 years in Czech Republic. It was down around zero the whole month. That's cold. And um, it's very challenging because... Uh, we have to cut all that wood. We went through two semi-loads of wood to keep the whole place warm. And in our flat, when we get up in the morning, because, you know, it's, we can't afford to use wood all night long, so we get up in the morning and it's 42 to 44 degrees in our house every morning. And for Tommy, that is not fun. So every night she goes to bed and she thanks the Lord. Oh, God, thank you for the man who invented electric blankets. Hallelujah. And uh, but she's a trooper. So we're in this little valley. Go to the next one. We're about eight miles from the city of Olomouc in a beautiful valley. It's a city of 110,000. But our little village is about 2000. But we get a lot of traffic in the summer that come out to go. I'm taking this right from the river. And we have a little field next to us for playing games and family activities. The lower right corner, you can see there's a a little a new bunkhouse. And we built that to expand our um, capabilities for summer camps now last year and the year before we had about 35 kids now with the new bunkhouse we can go up to about 50 kids and so this is one of our main outreach tools and then the the building in the foreground on the left is our outdoor restaurant and then there's a balcony up there we have a terrace that comes out from the pension we now have seven rooms ready as a bed and breakfast and then our flat's behind that little pine tree, and you don't want to see that because that's still in the process of remodeling. Next. Uh, this is our city of Olomots, and this is the square where there's this big, ugly plague cone. Now, the architecture is beautiful. It's the second most beautiful city in Czech Republic. Of course, Prague is the capital, and that is a, it's probably the most beautiful city in Europe because it was one of the only capitals that didn't get bombed in World War II because they capitulated early to Germany, and then they were liberated late by the Allies. So it didn't get bombed. And Olomouc has beautiful architecture, too, but there's this big, ugly plague column. And all you say, what is that? Well, the thing on the right, when the plague, the Black Plague, came through Europe in the 1700s, the, the religious hierarchy thought, if, well, maybe we'll build these big statue things, and it will stop the plague from coming. Well, they built a smaller one in the next square over. The plague came anyway, and they said, wow, we just didn't build it big enough. So they built this big, ugly monolith. But, you know, statues 
icons, dead religion cannot change anything. What they need is the Holy Spirit and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is our calling. Go to the next one. So we have many of these big, this is a beautiful cathedral, but there's no power in there because it's just an old dead religious system. And they, they, you know, pray and they light candles and they go through the motions. But many of them, they don't even know a personal relationship with Jesus. And so Christianity has been marginalized to the point that the communists for 45 years got into the schools and they taught the, the young children. Anybody who believes in God is either weak minded or just a feeble little old grandma who needs something to lean on. And anybody that is a Christian was labeled for life as intellectually inferior. And they would not be able to get an upper education. They were forced out of school after the ninth grade. They had to work either in the factories or construction or a field job. They, they couldn't go into professions. And the Christians were the last in line for jobs, the last in lines for housing. They were like the dirt of society and everybody laughed at them. It, it kind of reminds me of people who talk about, you know, these poor religious people clinging to their guns and religion, you know. And I don't like statements like that because it, it shows people a, a wrong attitude that, you know, Christians are being marginalized and forced out of the mainstream of America. And we need to pray for our leaders and we need to bring people back to the understanding it is the it's Christianity and the word of God and the truth of Jesus Christ that made America great. And we need to be very careful in this country because right now the exact same techniques that were used to marginalize Christianity in Czech Republic and Slovakia are now working in the United States of America. It's in the schools. The, the, the education departments are more and more marginalizing Christianity and pushing it out to the fringe and, and saying, yeah, those reactionary right-wing Christians are just clinging to their guns and religion. Well, I'm sorry. Our Constitution gives us the right to have arms and to believe in whatever God and however we want it. We have religious freedom and nobody is going to take it from us. Amen. It's time for Americans to stop just being Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy and stand up for the truth. It is the, the, the faith of our fathers that made this country great. Now, I'm, I'm going to Czech Republic because I'm a missionary. And I'm called to raise up that country from spiritual death. Because the communists, they did their homework. You know, Czech Republic is half of 1% born-again Christian today. Half of one percent how did that happen the same way it's happening now in america because the christians let go of the wheel and let the non-christians force the truth out of the mainstream of society and put the bible on the back shelf and it's going to take a generation it's not just going to be a few years and all of a sudden they come back to christ we have to completely confront that wrong ungodly, worldly, secularist attitude with the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's going to take commitment and hard work. But see, I see the effects. You know, Czech Republic now is the most atheistic nation in the entire European Union. 
And I will not accept that. I will not just roll over and let the devil take over that country. Amen. And neither will you lay down and let the devil push Christianity out of the United States. Amen. But it's time for us to rise up, people. And, and stand up for what we believe. And no, let, no longer let people just marginalize and talk down on Christians and, 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 and ridicule them. Uh-uh. It's time to, I mean, we have to love them. Of course we have to love them. But we've got to be strong in what we believe. And stand up for the truth. And that truth is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's enough of that. Okay, next. <laughs> Go on. Now, this is Tommy. We have many ways that we're taking the truth back. Tommy has women's meetings. She just had one last weekend. She was so excited. She had 30 women from our church come, and uh, she, she gives them special luncheons. You know, she makes enchiladas and fajitas, and instead of Tex-Mex, we call it Chex-Mex. <laughs> but, it, no, hey, a, a lot of people, they'll come for the food, and then we, we lead them to Jesus. And three ladies got saved last weekend that we've been praying for. Glory to God. And, you know, now in our restaurant, every worker that's come there has gotten born again. We, you know, that's just, see, it, it, we just reaching out to the community. Next, this is our upstairs hall. Now, this is the downstairs hall. Here's Tommy, and they're giving her flowers at her birthday. And this is our band playing downstairs. This is our youth band. We have trumpet and saxophone and flute and uh, gu- guitar, bass, drums, keyboard, singers, the whole works. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited what God's doing with our youth group. Next. <clears throat> and this is how the restaurant looks today. As you can see, it's really come together. When we got it, I mean, it was just really a mess. And we had to put in all new tile floors and level the floor. We had to take all the electrical wiring, all the water had to be replaced, the sewer lines, the um, heating. We had to put new, we have six fireplaces because that, that way we can heat local parts. You know, the hall upstairs has a fireplace, our flat has a fireplace. There's uh, two apartments upstairs. So that we could have like a parent and, and a children's room and, and a bathroom and a kitchenette on both sides of upstairs that are heated with the, these local fireplaces. And then we also have a big wood furnace that when we need to heat the whole place, we use that. But anyway, go to the next one. This is how it looked three years ago. <laughs> so you can see we've had our work to do. Uh, Michael helped me knock. You can see over on the left there's a hole. We had to put a new hallway in for the EU uh, handicap access. And Michael and I knocked this big hole through the wall. And it was, it was rock, I mean, huge rocks out of the river next to us. And that, that was really something to be praying. We, those, those beams over there, we had to literally hold up because it was a bearing wall. And, the, and it started to crack. I thought the whole wall was going to come down on us. But God gave us strength. Next. Uh, this is upstairs, and we brought our youth together. When I came there, we, we, we ministered uh, 10 years in Slovakia. We started two churches and turned them over to Slovak leadership. And then three years ago, we came back to Czech, and we had two kids, two, two boys in our youth group. Well, in February, we just had our youth conference, and there was 45 youth and eight leaders. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, this, uh, this drawing, go to the next slide. We were teaching about the power when the body of Christ comes together and cooperates. And so each, each of, we divided the youth into six groups, and they went out, and each little group had a, a piece of paper, but you couldn't see the whole point. One of our guys that's an artist made this outline, you know, showing the body. But they just had like an arm or a head or a torso or a leg. They didn't know what it would look like. And, and we just said, well, just follow the Holy Spirit and let him to- tell you what to put on there. And so you can see that which kids from Olomouc drew because I'm a music teacher. I, I love teaching the kids praise. So there's a keyboard and a bass and a mic and a drums. And in, in between the bass and the drum, you can see there's a baseball bat because I believe in the power of baseball evangelism. Oh, man. I love baseball. And, and uh, then the kids, you know, there's one with a baptism pool. Uh, another down below it has a beautiful building. It was a big clock pointing to midnight because it's time for revival and check. And then at the top, now this is interesting, that's Jesus. And he's reaching out to the city of Prague, which is upside down. And this is our Prague kids that did this. And, you know, you wonder, what, what in the world is that? Well, they put the scripture above it, Acts 17.6. The men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And, and when we, we brought all the parts together and the kids saw all of a sudden, oh, it's a body. Oh, yeah, we're part of the body. And it, and it brought up that scripture, Ephesians chapter 4. You know, it says when the, uh, uh, the body comes together with the joints and ligaments, it's the Lord supplies and it builds itself up in love for the equipping of the saints. And so. We saw all this come together, and the, and the kids thought, hey, this is prophetic. And each of our little you know, selves, we can't do much. But when we come together as a body, nothing is impossible. And then they took that scripture, Acts 17.6, and that's our keyword. And now the name of our youth movement is UpsideDown.CZ for a check. Amen. So it was really prophetic, and I love to see the next generation catching that wind of the Holy Spirit, because they're going to go way, way beyond what we have hoped to imagine. Next. Oh, this is our youth camp in the summer. A lot of these kids are not even believers. They come because their parents want them to learn English, because English is the international language of business. And, you know, because we're native speakers, they, hey, English, you know, it's a camp. Let's send the kids and. We just start out singing English worship songs. These kids, a lot of them have never been in church in their life. They don't even know what it is. But by the end of the week, they're clapping, they're raising their hands, and almost all of them get born again. <laughs> it's wonderful. Amen. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Okay, go to the next one. And so I, you know, I like to tell stories and games. We do crafts and sports activities because we want to make it fun for the kids. You know, we, we have a... And exciting. Go to the next one. And these are some people. Uh, the guy in the lower left is an uh, economics professor. His wife is an English professor. But they just love to come in the summer. And some of you may want to do this. I've got information on our table. If you want to get in an English camp, we have like a 10-day to two-week trip. And we do, you know, make it fun. We take really nice uh, V-let. Uh, I'm thinking in Czech all the time. Somebody tell me what a V-let is. <laughs> retreats. <laughs> you know, we, we take visits and retreats out. To, we go to castles and different cool places, but we also just teach the kids English. And 
This is what it's about. It's all about people, just loving people. Evangelism is loving people enough that they can see Jesus in you. Amen. Amen? You just got to keep loving them, and eventually they're going to see Jesus. And they're going to want that. Because who's better than Jesus? Nothing. Next. Uh, and we, we have a volleyball court right across the river. And um, we play soccer and baseball. We go swimming, field trips, treasure hunts, the whole deal. It's about adventure. Next. And this is another missionary. He's 67. He married a Czech wife down at the end of the table. And look at those happy little faces. I mean, that's the future of Czech. Next. And at the last night, then we have a family night for the friends and the families of the kids in the camp. And so the, the family comes, and we have a cookout, and we have hot dogs and hamburgers, and, and we sing songs, and then we do a special program. Go to the next one. And these kids all, we made tie-dye shirts, and this is our choir singing. And also a lot of the people just from the restaurant. We have about two dozen tables right out in front of our band stage. And people just come by on their bikes and stop. And, and these kids are singing about Jesus. Next. And this summer we had three trumpet players. Now, do you think I was happy? <laughs> That's, that, it doesn't get any better than that. Next. And this is our, our youth drama team. And they did a drama about Queen Esther. And, and, you know, these are unbelievers. And they're here. And these kids do Bible stories. And they love it. Next. And this is one of the field trips. So you have an old fortress, and uh, there's a goat in the lower left because those steps are really steep to get up there. And it's the moat or that wall is covered with grass. So they just put a goat up there, and he's the best lawnmower you can get. <laughs> Next. And then I told the kids, now, see, this is this, the fortress still looks like that. There's 14 of them around Olomouc because it was a fortress city in the Austria-Hungary Empire. And that's the soldiers from the 1800s. And I said, oh, kids, now we got something better. You're soldiers for Jesus. Amen? That's what we're training up. Next. This is our outdoor restaurant. You can see we have ice cream drinks and we have, you know, different kind of coffees, Italian espresso and latte and frappe and all that. And then we have uh, hamburgers and hot dogs and some Czech food. We have this uh, Hungarian fry bread called langosh. It's kind of chewy but a little bit crispy on the outside and then you put different kind we have you can put like a, a garlic spread with cheese or they have kind of a tartar sauce that you can put uh, it's almost like a ranch dressing and oh it's it's good that's not, actually i'm hungry can you tell <laughs> next and this is our band stage that we built and see the people are out there we, we do country we do bluegrass i know todd's going country mark oh my gosh but I am all things to all people. Amen. <laughs> I remember when the youth group, uh, it was right over in Perry when I was teaching music in Perry at New Hope School. And the youth group came and they tied me up. They were all hiding in a guy's closet. I was giving them trumpet lessons and they all burst out. It took them like 20 minutes, but they finally got me down. They tied me up. And they brought me and put me in the car and they turned on country music. You know, you're cheating hard. You know, I said, oh, God, deliver me. And you know what they did? They brought me to the, it was prophetic because they brought me to the church, all tied up, carried me in there. And then they tied up Tommy, who was the youth director. Now, we weren't even dating at that time. We were just friends. And they plunked us both down in the middle of the church, tied 
tied up in the middle, and the, the youth is dancing around and going crazy, and here the youth leader and the school principal are tied up on the floor, and who walks in? Pastor Cole, Ina Rose's husband, walks in and what is going on? You know? <laughs> I'll never forget. The kids' faces just went totally white. And they scattered to the four winds. And, and, and Charlie says, Now, Mark, is this your idea of control? <laughs> and Charlie, but he took it in a good statement. Anyway, I have a lot of good memories from Stillwater and Perry. In fact, our first date was right here in Stillwater. I took Tommy. I was taking courses at Stillwater at OSU. And uh, I took her on a date to play racquetball because I had my student card. And I thought, boy, she is, she's not very good at racquetball, but she's sure cute. <laughs> anyway, next one. So this is our church in Olomotes. And this is the idea. You know, we get them saved out there in the restaurant. And then we, we draw them into the church. And we, we rent a building from the Apostolic Church, which is like Assembly of God. But they've had a building for a long time because they were registered even before communism. And then we meet in the afternoons and they meet in the morning. But it's, it's not our building. And I believe in God that we in this year are going to find a new location. And we want to have our own building with our own identity and reach out to that city of 110,000. And it's needed. So I ask you to really pray and believe God for that. We need a miracle. We've tried and we've been blocked because there's such power from the religious hierarchy. Every time we find a building, they, they go and put political pressure on the city council and they won't give us zoning. And this is not just us. They do it to the Baptists and other uh, church groups. So we, we need a miracle. Next. <clears throat> this is our summer camp for the families. And we make it, you know, spiritual. We have morning worship and prayer and then we have games and fun activities and canoeing and swimming and volleyball and softball and then in the evening we'll come back together and have some spiritual times of uh you know impartation from the word and worship and dance but we also just have fun next and this is a skit that we did everybody in the camp has to be in a skit and they gave me a skit it's a, it has to be about the beatles and so we got some of those old Beatles songs, you know, and uh, this was the Beatles in a nursing home. And I was Paul McCartney over there. And that's Nurse Ratchet who was trying to keep us in line. And it was just crazy, just fun. But see, we have to make the kingdom of God. It's also just about families, fellowship and having fun together. Amen. Church needs to be the funnest place in town. And that's what I believe. It's fun to serve God. Amen. Amen. And if, if you think it's not fun enough, well, then you do something and make it more fun. Make, make yourself part of the living uh, glory of God in the church. Everybody can do something. Amen? You're not all preachers. You're not all going to be on the worship team. You're not all maybe called to youth or children. But you are all called to just love people. And if, if you feel the church isn't quite loving enough, well, you change it. Find a way to love more people. And God will make this the happiest, most loving church in the city of Stillwater. And I believe that's the way you're going. Hallelujah. Amen. Next. Uh, this is our youth band. You know, we, we're training up a, a new army of worshipers. Next. And, of course, they play at the church events. Then we take them right out in the city park 
And there's kids out there playing volleyball and basketball and soccer. And we just set up and start playing. And they come around, well, what are you doing? You know, and then we tell them about our youth group. So we're just reaching out to the community. Next. <clears throat> and this is a, a, a black choir group from Chicago. It's a gospel group. And you can see the pastor and his wife and a few of the people that sing. We go into the schools. And this week, I really need your prayers because I have to drive immediately after church 13 hours to Minnesota. I get on a plane at 7 in the morning, I fly back to check, and I arrive at the same time on Tuesday as the choir from Chicago, and then we're going to do a whole week of outreach with the choir concerts. And they love that. I mean, the black gospel sound is very rare, but the Czech people love it. And so we're going to have a great outreach to our, our community. We're going in the schools. We're going to be doing outreach concerts. We'll be at the restaurant. We'll be in the church. And I just need a lot of energy because it's going to be go, go, go. But I'm excited about it. Next. And this is a outreach that we did in the fall. We take the kids out in the woods and each of them gets a compass. They're in groups of four. And then we give them points. Uh, they have to do these Bible study questions and then they get the coordinates. And then they, they go out in the woods and, and they learn how to cooperate and follow the guide, the map. But then we show them that. God has a map for your life, and the Word of God gives you specific instructions to find out where you're supposed to be, who you're supposed to be with, and how you're supposed to serve. And go to the next one, we, and we, then we taught how David, he had a guide, you know, he had the prophecy from Samuel, and, and he knew he was anointed to be king, but there were steps he had to go through. And even though he didn't look qualified, and he was small, his brothers just said, oh, go back to your... You know, go back to the ranch and watch those sheep. And no, he had a guide inside of him because he had received the prophetic word. And and then he was able to go and defeat that big old giant that nobody else in the whole country could defeat because he knew the plan of God. He knew what God had told him. And see, we've got the same guidebook, people. We got the living word of God, too. But we've got to follow the plan. And everybody here has a part to play. Everybody. You may not be a missionary like me, but even if you can't go to Czech or Slovakia, you can help send. Amen? If you're in the kingdom, there are no bench warmers. You are part of God's eternal plan, and we need to move together. Because people, I am so thankful for New Covenant. You have been one of our most faithful supporters for years. And I, I wish all churches had that same commitment because this last year we lost four churches because, they, you know, they got in financial difficulties because of the economic situation and they cut missions out. Well, I, I have to understand, but I mean, I, I'm out there in the field and our income was 40% down last year. I need some miracles. But I, I am not looking to man. I'm looking to God. Because he is my supplier. If I was working for man, I never would have lasted for 19 years over there. But I'm looking to God. Amen? But I, I want you to join with me. I am an outreach of New Covenant. And this is, this is my team. You are all my team. And when I come and you pray for me, God does it. Maybe you can't give me, you know, $100 or whatever. Maybe you can't. Hallelujah. But if you can't, hey, can you pray? Can you believe? Can you, 
You know, get our, our calendar, get our newsletter. It's out on the table. Just stick it on your refrigerator. And as you pass by and, you know, get out a hot dog or something. Oh, yeah, Mark and Tommy, they're over there in Czech and Slovakia. God, they need revival. They need help. Just help them, Lord, today. Those prayers add up in heaven like a sweet, fragrant aroma. And there's things that the Holy Spirit will do to protect us and strengthen us and supply for us. But I need praying churches to get with us and say, yeah, Mark, yeah, Tommy, we're with you. We're going for it. We want to see revival just like you. And every year I come back and I give you these reports. And doesn't this make you feel good? Because without you, I would not be there. And that's just to the glory of God. Amen? But we gotta, we got to see it, folks. We are a team for Jesus. We need each other. Next one. Now, this is our men's group. We take them out on bicycles. We went 18 miles. And then at the end, I got my grill set up, and I make a Mark's famous Juicy Lucy double cheeseburgers with grilled onions. Oh, it doesn't get much better than that. And I am hungry. Okay, go to the next one. <laughs> and here's our son. Now, we're talking about generational things you you've seen michael he hasn't been here for a few well he's been here a couple years ago he's been studying at jbu i just got to go to his graduation yesterday oh i was so excited because this is the first thing he's done in the last four years that i was able to participate in because i live in czech and he's been here but he has done so well i am so thankful to see what god's doing he did a film uh worth a thousand it was uh, his first full uh, film that he produced he had like 80 people under him all the actors in the uh, produ- production team and the cameraman the whole deal and it was so incredibly good he had like over 300 people at the premiere and at the end of it they stood up and gave him a standing ovation it was powerful and his his uh, main cinematography teacher you know he told me i met him yes or day before yesterday and he said you know your son He's going to go places. He's going farther than I ever went. And that's his his professor. And so then Michael, he just had his last semester. He said, Dad, you know, I haven't gotten to act since high school because I've been focused on cinema. I want to try out and just see if I can get in the the play. Well, it was the Three Musketeers, and Michael got the lead role of D'Artagnan. So he had to take fencing lessons and, and do the whole deal. And, man, he tore it up. He was great. He, they had his picture in the, the paper there, good reviews, and at the end of the year they invoke. Now, I'm, people, I'm not bragging. I'm giving God glory because this is a missionary kid. They voted him actor of the year at the university. Yeah. <laughs> glory to God. And now he, he did an internship under Warner Brothers. You know, last summer there was 750 applicants. They only took five students, and Michael got in there. So he has done really well, but he's not going to go to Hollywood. He wants to come and work in Europe. And this is a praise report. Joyce Meyer, we had done, you know, we had TV ministry. We did 140 programs for Joyce Meyer. We dubbed them in our studio into Slovak. But then the religious hierarchy got nervous because she went to the second most popular program in the region. And the bishop went to the TV stations and put huge political pressure on them, and they took her off the air. One, because she's not Catholic. Two, because she's a woman. 
and, and three, because they thought she was a threat. But I see she is a great minister of God, and she's touching the hearts of so many people. And, you know, she's so real and talking about all the abuse she came out of. She is the real deal. Well, now it's three years, and we had to, I couldn't have done the TV anyway because we were totally focused rebuilding the restaurant. But now we're getting the restaurant done, and now we put her programs on a TV website. It's a, actually a web TV, Christian TV, and within one month, she was the number one program. I mean, getting over 800 hits, uh, 200 a week and more. It's growing. Probably it's over 1,000, uh, maybe 2,000 now. And so I told Joyce Meyer Ministries about this. They said, wow, this is great. You, you need to start new programs. So they've contracted with us to do 120 new programs, 60 in Czech and 60 in Slovak, which we're going to coordinate but I need a staff. I need a team. Well, Michael's graduating, and so he's going to come back this fall and help me coordinate the production effort. And who knows what God's going to do? You know, and he, he wants to get his Slovak citizenship because he speaks Slovak fluently because he grew up there. And uh, you can get dual citizenship, and then he can work anywhere in the European Union. I believe God's going to use those filmmaking skills. He wants to learn French and German now. And, you know, but he's, he can also help me with this production. So I just see God moving. And I need you to pray that now there's some new networks that are open to putting Joyce Meyer Ministries on there. But, you know, it's got to be in Czech and Slovak. And we're, we're, I just bought a new computer and we're believing God. Now, Joyce Meyer does not pay me. I, I only get to pay the, the production people. But I, I don't get any salary or offerings at all. So she wants to see that the national coordinator is, is into it for the ministry and dedicated to that cause, not doing it for the money. And I said, okay, I'll show you. I'm dedicated. But I don't get money for that. So this is why I'm here today. I, I also need to ask for offerings. I need help, folks. I, I really need help. And, and you, you can just obey the Holy Ghost today. But I'm here today because I need help. And I'm asking you to just, you know, ask the Holy Ghost, how can we help today? And and if you can sign up on our sheet out there and get our newsletter, that will be great. And if you can give, uh, we got CDs, they're only $10 each. I hope you can take that home and be blessed. I've only got a few, I've got like seven left, but uh, I can get more and send them if people want to order them. Anyway, so I'm going to go into the Word of God real quick because I've got 15 minutes And I want to tell you something very important that the Lord's really been putting on my heart that will encourage all of you today. So this is about the positive nature of Christ. Um, Go ahead. You can take that off, Shannon. You can just turn that off. Uh, I, I see if we are Christians, everything that God does is in hope and faith and love. And if... If we look at God and and Jesus Christ, this is the most powerful force of positive good news. The gospel is good news. Amen? And we've got the best news in the world right now. Jesus Christ is risen. And he has paid for your sins and given you an eternal outlook. And it's nothing but blessings. Hallelujah. That's really good news. And if we are Christians, we should be growing in that positive outlook. 
constantly. You know, we should be growing in our, our faith and transformed and renewing our mind to think God's positive thoughts about ourselves, about others, and, and to reach out with that positive good news in every situation that we're in. Because this world is increasingly negative, hopeless, it's, it's lost in a sea of worry and doubt and unbelief and, and negativism. And, you know, you turn on the TV. I mean, just look at the news for 10 minutes. And what's, what are you going to see? Negative and more negative. You're going to see how many people got blown up in this disaster. How many people got killed in Syria? Huh? Where was the next scandal and who got caught doing something bad? And what's the next shooting in you know, California at a college and innocent people get shot. And I see negative is what sells because people have a morbid curiosity for negative things. But we have to come against that. And if you are in the world today and you spend a lot of time looking at Internet or TV or news or magazine, you are going to be bombarded with negativism and it will affect your spirit. And it'll pull your spirit down into that same sort of negative atmosphere that this whole world operates in. But see, that is not the spirit of God. God's spirit is positive, hopeful, faithful, true, loving, purity, goodness. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen? And we've got to pull into that. And we've got to be adjusting what comes into us so that we don't pull into the negative. Now look at, with me, and let's go quickly to 2 Corinthians 1, 18 and 21. I'm going to really put it in the high gear because I feel like you need to hear this today. First, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong verse. 2 Corinthians 1, 18 to 21. Okay? And, and Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church because they were having some doubts if his ministry was sincere and if God was sincere. And so... He said in verse 17, did I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I said yes, yes, and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. See, and people in the world need to see they're, they're in a no environment. <laughs> they're always thinking negative. When they look at something and two people see the same glass of water, one sees it as half full Hey, at least it's a half full. That's good. It's positive. The other sees it at half empty. Well, no, that's not good enough. Look at that glass. It's only half full. It's, it's half empty. It's not enough. It's, this, isn't, this isn't right. See, that's a negative viewpoint. But other people look at the same thing and see that glass is half full, and they see positively. And, and Paul is saying, hey, the promises of God are not half empty. They're not yes, no, or maybe, but they are always yes. They're positive. There's hope and faith in those promises of God. Amen? And we need to be in full of hope and, and positive faith as well, because that's the nature of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20. I'm sorry, 19. It says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, you know, Paul's saying, it's not just me. It's Look at the, the fruit in these other guys, men of God, Silas and Timothy. They're the same way as me. They're positive. They're yes, and they're not maybe and no, but they are full of faith. 
Are you? Or are we getting pulled down into this negativism of the world that's around us? Look at what he says. He said, but, you know, Paul, Silas, Timothy, that was not yes and then no. But in him, it has always been yes. Positive. That's the true promise of God. He says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Hallelujah. You know, another translation says, in him, the promises of God are yes and amen to the glory of God. Amen is just a a threefold agreement. It says, I believe it, I receive it, and it is true. Can you say amen? amen? It is true. The promises of God are always yes. If he says, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, that is not maybe or no. That is yes, amen, Jesus said it, I believe it, I'm going to lay hands on the sick, and they are going to get better. Amen? Let me hear that. Amen. Amen. Don't just say it because I asked you. Say it because you believe. Yes and amen, the promises of God are irrevocable, and they are true forever. And they're true for me, and they're true for you. And we got to be standing up with that positive faith that will not take a back seat and look at the negative. See, look at the, look at the Israelites. Go quickly with me to Exodus 15. And they were coming out of just seeing the most incredible miracle in all history. Never before anything did like this. I mean, it was a negative situation. They were backed up against the Red Sea. There's a whole army of chariots and the soldiers with swords and shields and spears. And these are just defenseless Israelites with women and children. And they didn't know army warfare. They were slaves. They, they made bricks. And here comes this army. And what are we going to do? And, and Moses says, okay, God, you need to do something. And he says, well, what do you got in your hand? What do you got in your hand? Everybody here's got something in their hand that you can use for the kingdom of God. And if you just lift it up and say, okay, God, I'll use it. He will use you. But you got to hold up that thing that's in your hand and just give it as a living sacrifice to God. Maybe you're just good at baking cookies. That's okay. Bake cookies to the glory of God. Give it to people with love and you will touch their life. Tommy's doing it with tacos. Hallelujah. Taco evangelism. I love it. Okay, so Moses lifts up his stick, and, and, and he, the Lord says, just wave it out over that sea. Okay? And he waves it out, and all of a sudden, and the, the waves start a tumbling and a boiling, and up, the water stands up in the middle of the ocean. And then a big wind comes up and blows. The, it says they crossed over on dry land. You see what God can do? And the people, oh, this is great. And they go running across, and here comes the Egyptian army. And, and the Lord says, okay, Moses, now put the hand back. And he puts it back, and the, the waves come crashing down. The entire Egyptian army is destroyed, buried, not one of them left alive. Glory to God. The Egyptians, they were done. God destroyed them, and the Israelites, they're praising and dancing. But look what happens in three days because of their negative spirit. Uh-oh. 
They walk out. Hey, it's kind of hot out here. Second day, well, there's not anything much to eat out here. And uh, what are we going to feed the animals? And there ain't any water. And the third day, now it's really getting hot. And they're really tired. And they totally are forgetting the positive promises that God will protect them. And they start complaining and arguing against Moses. Look at this. Verse chapter 15. And let's start reading at 22. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur for three days. They traveled in the desert and they found no water. But yet when they came to Merah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Mara. Now, you know what I believe? I believe that that water was just reflecting the condition of the Israelites' heart. It was their attitude that brought bitterness to that water. Because their attitude was grumbling and complaining instead of being praising and worshiping God for the miracle. They're, see, negative people stopped looking at God and they looked only at their circumstances. And they see the entire world through the filter of their own need. And people, as Christians, we got to get away from that selfish tendency and get our eyes back on God. Now look what Moses had to do. It says, uh, I'm sorry, let me find my place. Okay, the people grumbled against Moses and Moses cried out to the Lord. (laughs) Now that's the right response people that's the response of a positive person you don't get molly grubbing around and and complaining and well if moses was a man of god then why did he lead us out here and where are we going anyway and blah, 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 blah. you know people that ain't going to do it when when negative circumstances come you don't let the bitterness and negativity of the world sour your attitude towards god you just cry out unto him like moses he cried out unto the Lord, Okay, God, I trust in you. I, this situation's not good. The people are thirsty. The, the water's bitter. But I am not going to look at all that. I am going to cry out to my living God in trust and in hope. And He is going to help me. And then God showed him what to do. He showed him a tree. The Bible says, He showed him a tree. And He threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. And then verse 26. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep his decrees, I'm not going to bring on these diseases that I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who healeth you. What was that tree, people? That was a picture of the cross. That was the cross. See, they came to a negative situation, and God said, okay, throw the tree in there. Well, Jesus was nailed on that tree. You see that crossbar? Just think of that. That's a big negative. That's a minus sign. And your life and my life was a big minus sign until Jesus came and nailed that negative to the tree. This hand, that hand, and his feet. But see, he didn't just leave it. He brought the... The positive part, which the vertical part points to God. And he says, in me now, I have taken every negative thing 
that ever could happen. All your sins, all your failures, all your shortcomings, every wrong thing that was ever done, every grief, every failure. I took it and I nailed it to the tree. And now in me, you have been changed from a minus to a plus. That's the cross. The cross is a big plus sign. Amen. I learned that from Reinhard Bonnke. See, and every negative thing in your life has now been changed to a plus. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I'm not in the negative anymore. I'm in the plus zone. (laughs) Amen. Because Jesus took your negative and changed it to a plus. Hallelujah. To the glory of God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Now, I just got a couple more verses. See, Jesus comes in all these negative things. He took all that negative and changed it to the most positive good news there is. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3 through 6. I'm going to hurry up here because my time is about over. But are you getting anything from this? Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 3. It says... All of us who lived among them at one time were gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. I mean, who wants to hear that? Well, you're a child of wrath. That's negative. And, but here's the facts, people. We were children of God's wrath. We were sinners. We messed up. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, he did not leave us in that negative zone. Amen. And that needs to create a positive response in you every day of your life. And gratitude and joy and hope and mercy. If you need to be changed, and here's how. He said in verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Whoo! You are alive. That means your old dead body has been crucified and buried, and now the life you live, it says, I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Amen? That's the most positive plus there is. Jesus, the Son of God, lives in me. Hallelujah! And He lives in you. And he's, look at this. He said, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Oh, what great grace, people. And, and look at this now. And not only has he saved us, it says, and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That means we are raised up out of the negative molly grubs and complaining and darkness of this world. And we are seated in glory with Jesus Christ. And people, that's now. You're already seated with him. You don't have to wait and die and go to heaven to get there. We are seated as his covenant children right now in the glory of God. And his power is with us. And we cannot be defeated as long as we're following him. Amen? But we've got to choose to look at the things through the perspective of the positive nature of the cross. Amen? 
And every time we come into a negative situation, we got to throw the cross in there. Amen. All right, I'm going to finish with this verse. It's Mark 6, 35. And you all know the story. It's about Jesus changing the bread. I mean, you know, he had just five little loaves and he fed 5,000 people. Now look at how the disciples summed up the situation. Because they were not trained yet in the reality of the positive nature of Christ. He had, and he used this situation to teach them. And they learned, praise God. Now let's look at Mark chapter 6. And we're starting at verse 35. And we're going to go down to 41. And this is my last verse today. Hallelujah. <clears throat> okay, 6. Praise you, Jesus. I'm not used to i got a different Bible here. Okay. And so, this time it was late in the day, and his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. So send the people away so they can go out to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So here's the disciples. They look at this situation, and they are just looking in terms of their own needs. The negative people always look at the whole world situation, and they assess everything only in terms of their own need. And instead of looking to God, they're looking at every kind of way to get their own need met. But see, Jesus is showing us how to, how to get the need met. It's to look at Him. Now, here's the disciples. They say, well, look, at there's all these people here. It's, we're, we're way out in the country. It's now so late. So, Lord, just send the people away. Let them deal with their problem. I don't want their problem. We got our own problem. You know, we, here we are, we're hungry disciples. We've been, you know, ministering all day. We only got this little boy's lunch here. Five loaves and two fish, and it's hardly even enough for us. So, Lord, just send them away. Oh, thanks be to God. Jesus will never, ever send us away. Because He loves us so much. And He looks at the situation and he, he thinks according to the positive nature of the cross, of the power of God. And he says, you give him something to eat. <laughs> what? And he's, now their natural mind is in the negative thinking of this world. And people, a lot of us are in the same place. Our natural mind responds to situations with our human reasoning. But Jesus responds to everything with the power of the Holy Ghost. He thinks in a different level. And we've got to learn to think on that same Holy Ghost level. Amen? And see things in the Spirit. And, and they start thinking, what? We can't feed all these people. That would take eight months of a wage. You know, that's 200 denarius. You know, eight months, uh, three-fourths of a wage, uh, of a year's wage. And are we going to go spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And, and Jesus says, I oh, don't know, guys, wait a minute. How many loaves do you have? Go see. And so they go and they find out. And we'll, we'll see in John. You know, John says that there was a little boy there and he just had five loaves and two fish. And he thought according to the positive nature of Christ. He, you know, he could have been. Just, just think what would have happened if that little boy was thinking in the natural. Well, wait a minute. I've only got five loaves and two fish. That's just for me and my sister or somebody here. 
I, I don't have enough to give. And, and, and the disciples say, hey, who's got something to eat here? I'm sure there was other people who had stuff to eat. But they were protecting it because they were thinking in the natural. But the little boy, he just said, I got this. I got five fish and two loaves. He didn't even stop to think. He just, all he did was he heard the Lord say, I need it. And he said, okay, that's enough. And he just gave it willingly without any human reasoning or evaluation or self-protection or negativism. He just said, take it, Lord. I give it freely. And, and Jesus looks at that and he goes, that's enough. One boy's lunch changed history. Because one boy was willing to go all the way. He didn't keep, well, let's see, I got five. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give him four and keep one for me. I got two fish. One for me. Uh-uh. He's, Lord, it's all I got. <laughs> take, take it freely. And, and Jesus looked at that heart and he says, that's what I need. It's enough. And the disciples look at that and they go, what? This is not enough, Lord. Are you, are you seeing the reality here? We got 5,000 people. And their natural reasoning is shouting. It's negative. It's not going to work. We don't have enough food. What are you even doing? And just let's go home and eat our little five fish and two, or five loaves and two fish and, and try to get by another day. And Jesus says, no. And, and see, Jesus has a very specific plan. He doesn't just go off the wall and do everything, hallelujah, holy ghost, happy, slappy. He says, okay. But I want you to take the men and, and the women, and we're going to sit them down in groups of hundreds and in groups of fifties. And so you just think how that looked on the hillside. He said, okay, John, you go take them over there. Peter, you go over there. James, over there. Matthew, over there. You each take them in fifties and hundreds. You sit them down here, 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 here. And the whole city is, I mean, the whole congregation is out there looking now organized. Because Jesus has a plan. If he would have just changed it and thrown it up in the air, it would have been a free-for-all. People would be fighting over it. But see, Jesus has a plan. And when you just give the best you got, he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for me in Czech Republic. He's got a plan for C.J. and Lisa and New Covenant Church. He's got a plan. But we just got to hook up and be positive and say, I believe in the plan, Lord. Take what I got. Take what's in my hand and use it. For your glory. And then Jesus got up and he blessed the bread. He said, thank you, Father. Thank you that you provided for us. It's more than enough. And they started to pass out these fish and loaves. And the more they passed out, the more it grew. And the the fish were suddenly multiplied. And as people pass the bucket, it just supernaturally multiplies. And after 5,000 people ate, they took up 12 baskets of fragments. And they came over to that little boy, and he, he, he's got this little bag, and he said, hey, little boy, here's the interest. And they're pouring out this huge blessing. And that's what heaven is. That's what heaven's going to be like. When we just give our lives, like the five loaves and the two fish, and say, Lord, it's what I got. Just take me and use it. And heaven is those 12 baskets of overflow 
that are just going to be poured out on you continually forever and ever and ever. Because that's the way Jesus is. Amen? And I'm telling you people, it is worth it to just trust in the positive nature of God and give Him what you got. And He will anoint it and multiply it and you will stand forever in the glory of the Lord, rejoicing forevermore at the goodness and the mercy of God because He changed you from a minus to a plus. Thank you, Lord. Everybody stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.